You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Pharmacy Podcast Nation. Today is the first of its kind episode where I interview the mother of a little girl suffering with brain cancer from her perspective as a mother, the resilience of a mother, the love of a mother. I'd like you to listen and share today's episode sponsored by you, the listener. You are sponsoring today's episode. In the show notes is a GoFundMe. Please send a small donation to the uh, to Shannon Shannon's family, uh, Team Livy, and I thank you so much for your support. I thank for I thank you for what you do for our nation and our healthcare industry. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. So, you might not realize this, but. I started podcasting in 2009. I know the Pharmacy Podcast Nation knows that. But I set up a studio after a long period of time and not having a studio. I was in my stepson's bedroom, for goodness sakes, up until about 2018. I built a studio in Hiller, Pennsylvania, which is embedded in Brownsville, Pennsylvania, which is what I consider my home. And for you who don't know where that is, we're south of Pittsburgh, probably an hour south of Pittsburgh. So my hometown uh, really knows very little about the Pharmacy Podcast Network because we're hidden inside uh, a, a makeshift coffee shop. And I've had several clients here. We had Lily here and we've had um, a technology provider and a professor, uh, pharmacy uh, pro- uh, professor uh, from the University of, of West Virginia School of Pharmacy up. But I've I have in the studios today someone from my own community, and this is a very special episode because now pharmacists and physicians can can hear from um, who we serve. The most important person in healthcare is our patient, and I want to introduce Shannon from my hometown of Brownsville to the Pharmacy Podcast Nation. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you, Todd, for having me. So when I learned about the situation, Shannon's daughter um, is suffering with something called polycystic astrocoma. And I want uh, Shannon to say it again because she says it better than me. <laughs> um, Olivia, who's 10 years old, suffers from a polycystic astrocoma. Astrocoma. Yes. Okay. And a brain tumor, um, stage one, you said. Correct. It's um, it's actually considered in the World Health Organization at grade one. Okay. Um, most of these tumors are benign. Um, they're slow growing. Um, but unfortunately, our daughter does have a, um, the cancerous kind. So. Uh, which is unfortunate and sad. And, and I, I met you through Facebook. Um, you have a campaign that our community, I want to give a shout out to Brownsville, Pennsylvania. This community has been amazing in supporting you, but what a great way to pull something together that's positive out of something that's so horrible. Correct. My husband and I are so overwhelmed with the love, support, and the prayers that we have gotten um, for Olivia. Um, you know, and we'll discuss it all started late May, and it's just phenomenal that people have pulled together like this for us. And I'm very proud of the community. So, so are we. 
it's very um, warming to me to know that I'm in a community that cares enough to do what they've done. We've had some uh, fundraisers, spaghetti dinners. There's some music um, gatherings. There's uh, other things. There's a GoFundMe, which we'll have in the show note link. So if you're listening and you'd like to support uh, Shannon and her family and Olivia, which you call her Livy. I do call her, yes, we do call her Livy, L-I-V-I. That's right. So. And talk, let's talk about Facebook, too. So Facebook's been a really good instrument. There's always bad, once again. There's good and bad in life and really everything. And social media really has uh, been negative, but it's also been very positive. And, and this has brought the community together because it was a way for you to share your experience as a parent. Correct. I um, asked a good friend of mine by the name of Annette to help me kind of field this because I knew it was getting bigger and my life was completely upside down. So I needed to focus on my family and Olivia. So um, Annette jumped on board um, and she created a Facebook page um, called Team Livy. And that's our hashtag. So we, um, or they created it and I've kind of jumped on board. They have any type of sponsored fundraisers that has been approved to go ahead and filter through them and just, I mean, the spaghetti dinner that we had um, a couple weeks ago was phenomenal. The Sons of Italy, um, the people, the teachers from the school district. Um, I mean, I could go on and on for an hour just <laughs> saying thanks to people. It's well, amazing. Just knowing that you're getting the support, like I said, it warms me. I want to bring us back to your health care experience. And this is the most important. You know, I... We have like 70,000 plus listeners. There's 380,000 active pharmacists throughout the country. And there's a there's a bucket of those in, in amazing providers that are specialists in special what they call specialty pharmacy. And this disease state is so rare. I want you to give the pharmacist from your perspective exactly how rare it is where it's encompassing only 7% of the cases. Correct. Um, with the research I've done, and I'm not a professional by any means, but um, we were told that Livy falls under the 7% or 7% statistic where she has a brain tumor in her thalamus. And because of the location and the detriment that it could create, um, it is considered inoperable. So um, it's when we first got diagnosed, it was about four and a half by four. Um, in size. So um, the fellow that we first saw and the doctors all said, this is pretty big. Um, and we're shocked that she didn't show signs ahead of time. So it was one of those, well, just go in there and take it out. And they were like, we can't do that. So it was, you know, I, I think it was more of a shock for all of us. Um, healthcare wise, I, I don't have any complaints yet. Mm -hmm. Um Everything's pretty much covered or it falls under that criteria of what's going on. I can tell you Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh has been phenomenal. Fantastic. Absolutely phenomenal. And the all the way from the visit of the first appointment we went to and then they sent us over to the ER and then the ER and then, you know, the two biopsies we've had to go through, the, um, uh, you know, the PICU stay that we had to go through. It's just... They have created an environment where my daughter does feel comfortable. She knows what's going on. They do tell them as much information as they want to know. There are times, though, that she will admit to my husband and I, I, I tuned out. Just <laughs> tell my mom and dad what's going on. So, you know, she's 10. 
Right. That's kind of where I know I have to suck all this information in and just kind of, you know, my husband and I try to make the decisions. We, we know what's best for her. Right. So how has the medications impacted your life from a, from a perspective of, of Livy expressing how she's feeling, but then number two, the complexity and the type of pharmacist explanation or support that you're getting. So, um, Olivia is on a vast amount of medications. It all started with a basic um, steroid, and I know it begins with a D, direxamethasone, I want to say it was called. Okay. Um, those medicines um, that she started with to what she's on, a constant antibiotic now, to what she's on, um, stomach um, medicines to calm the you know, stomach acids. And then once we started the chemotherapy and stuff like that, I mean, it's, it's been very interesting because I think at first they tell you, Oh, this is going to be okay. She's going to be fine. We're going to sail through this. And you know, there'll be some bad days. Unfortunately, I feel like my daughter has a, a more of a sensitive body. Like, I don't know how to almost like immune system aspect because I talked to some moms out there and they were like, yeah, my son did real well and he just had minor discomfort. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, with the chemotherapy drugs that we're on, which is um, carboplatin and vincristine, um, it has rocked her tremendously. I mean, we get it on a Friday, Saturday by 5 a.m. She's puking in a bucket for hours on mm -hmm. end. Um, they give us, you know, all of the anti-nausea medicine they can and just some of it works some of it doesn't it's just a you know we try to explain to a 10 year old you need to get ahead of it and not chase it but when they're that sick they don't want anything to do with anything right. so it, it's hard i have to say um the local pharmacy right aid with her name's renee she's become a good friend of mine absolutely anything i need she's on it i can call like i i know i can call her personally and be like what any advice? Can I do this? It's one of those things that it's, a, a, to me, I learn. I'm learning as we're going along. And, you know, it's a constant. We've realized, Olivia, they start us all out on liquid stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it was quickly, Livy's like, I'm not taking any of that. And I was like, Livy, you have to take this medicine. No, it's horrible. So then we transitioned her into taking um, the pill forms. But yep. now they're so big. And for a 10-year-old, I don't know many 10-year-olds that know how to swallow a, a huge antibiotic. We crush them now. Yeah. We put them on applesauce. We put them on pudding. So it's one of those things that I think it's a learning game for her and my husband and I. Because, I mean, my biggest thing that I always see is I, I, I hate chemo days. Two right. days, two Fridays out of the month. I mean, I don't sleep the day before. I'm up constantly. It's a very draining aspect just to know that I'm putting, quote unquote, and I call it poison into my daughter's yep. body. I know what it's doing. I know the benefits of it, but the side effects from it is gut wrenching. And that's, I mean, it's sad to see young kids like this go through this. It really is. My Rachel was 11. Your Livy is 10. Mm -hmm. And I can only imagine what I feel like as a dad, knowing that she had to get ready on Thursday night, the anticipation, the nervousness, the anxiety, 
in order to know, especially the second, the third, the fourth time, she already knows what she it's going to be now, like. Right. And What's that's coming. something we talk about all the time is, you know, it, she says to me and for a 10 year old, her comment to me is, mom, I don't want to go take this stuff because I know what it's going to feel like. And I'm like, I know that. But then she, on the other breath, she's telling me, I need to do this because this is going to make me better. Absolutely live. We know this is going to make you better. But then on that second, third day after chemo, when she's unfortunately sick, mom, I feel like garbage. Take me out to the curb. Like who wants to hear that from any exactly. perspective of a parent? Absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's challenging. Um, I, I just honestly, I deal day by day. Some yeah. days I do minute by minute, you know, I, because of the shock of all this, it what has been very, you know, traumatizing. I'm not gonna lie; right. it's a traumatizing, of course, thing. So, yep. As a as a parent of four daughters and a stepson and a grandson, and um, I've lived through this with you, being part of the community and watching mm-hmm. the Facebook and you know listening to your voice. And we had a pre-interview. Um, two weeks ago, uh, just to, just to kind of go over some things. And I, I, you left and I was like, you know, imagine, you know, having to go through that. That's, it's crazy. And I don't, I don't, um, sometimes I, I'm sure people don't even know what to say. Um, yeah, people don't know what to say. And I understand that. And my husband and I always just kind of say a smile, uh, Hey, thinking about you. Um, I use this term a lot. This is a very lonely life that we're in right now. Yeah. And it's not because I don't have love and support for my friends, but nobody else knows what we go through day in and day out. She might look okay. She might look good for the moment, but they didn't see the 12 hours before, or they don't anticipate what's going to happen in the middle of the night. And it's just very daunting to know that, your daughter is medically sick. Yeah. And I think that's what the, you know, I, I thank God every day that I, I ran with my gut because I think just finding out was unfortunately a horrific time just because of COVID. I was in the hospital by myself and it was just one of those, you, you can't, you gotta be kidding me that you're telling me this because this is not what I expected. When I hear you, Shannon, and I, and I'm listening and we're going through, and when I say we're going through the, you're going through the stress as a parent, I, I couldn't imagine the additional stress that's put upon you with the whole situation with COVID-19 right now too. It's horrific. It's, I have to say children's has been very good. They now allow two parents in, which is good. My husband and I go to, you know, all the appointments together. Um, but not only are we going to medical appointments, we have physical therapy twice a week. And all of that is located, you know, in Pittsburgh or therapy itself is located in Bridgeville. So, you know, we have lots of travels that we have to go through. It's nothing for us um, to be driving, you know, two, three hours a day just to figure out what's going on. Um, COVID has is very frustrating because people don't get the seriousness of it. I understand it. I see it. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. 
even if they do come out with a vaccine, I'm not getting it anytime soon. Mm -hmm. It's a little too quick for me. So, you know, I just, I think in the end, we all need just to be considerate. And, you know, I, I like to say like, well, you know, my daughter has a compromised immune system at this point. So I like to think that you're going to respect that for me and wear a mask and, you know, take precautions. And, you know, we've shared with family, if you have a sniffle, FaceTime us. Yeah. We're okay with that. You know, right. she would love to see a FaceTime rather than don't come over and chatter. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, I, and I, all family and friends kind of understand that, you know, so we're not, my husband and I are not naive to think we're not going to get through winter without having struggles. We're just trying to put as, we just are trying to get through it without having some major health issues. Yeah. So. so when I, I think of there's going to be pharmacy students that are going to be listening to this, um, we have a collaboration with the University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy. Um, we have several universities that have worked with us, Nova Southeastern University of, of South Florida. Um, so when pharmacists and pharmacy students are listening and they're thinking of the medications that you've mentioned, mm -hmm. there's a perception, especially as a clinician and as a pharmacist, as a scientist of what they think you're going to go through because of what they've learned. Correct. But I want to hear about the reality of this. Okay. So it's funny that you say that. And let me just start by saying that when I say this started at the end of May on a Saturday night, we went into Walmart and I noticed she was dragging her foot. And as a mother, I said, pick your feet up. And she said, I'm picking my feet up. And I'm like, Hmm. Okay. By Sunday, I'm texting the pediatrician. And I was like, something's going on. And she said, okay, we'll do a virtual the next day. Did the virtual the next day. We did blood work. We did x-ray. Um, I asked for a repeat blood work just because some of the stuff that I saw, I was a little like, hmm, you know, wasn't, it shouldn't be off like that. They said, okay, fine. By Wednesday, I'm personally calling um, down to Pittsburgh Children's Hospital to ask for a private neurologist appointment. They make it for Friday. We get up. We go. Within five minutes of being at that private appointment, um, they sent us to the ER. And then from the ER, it was, let's get her into the MRI. We got into the MRI. That's when we heard the bad news. Uh, there's a block of time that I've kind of blocked out in my brain just because I think I was so overwhelmed with trauma and everything else. We get, finally, to, we get through two biopsies. We get a diagnosis. We get, okay, here's your chemo path. So we get told we're going to get chemotherapy, we're going to get carboplatin, vincristine. What's interesting is I'm the kind of person that wants to know the facts, mm -hmm. all of the facts, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The doctors, and I say this openly, and I've actually joked with the doctor about this, I want to know the bad. Like, is her hair going to fall out? Is she going to be sick? Is she going to be, you know, nauseous all the time? Is she going to have stomach pain? They're like, oh, well, it'll be okay. You know, we're going to get through this. I don't think any doctor, pharmacist, anyone, nurse, will sit there and tell you it's going to be a piece of cake. I think they try to not scare anyone. So I think they take the approach of, it'll be okay. Her hair's going to thin. Her, you know, she's going to be kind of sick and that... Okay, fine. The gut-wrenching reality of it is, I mean, her hair is falling out. I mean, when your daughter brings you a chunk of hair and says, Mom, look, my mm -hmm. hair fell out. I mean, once again, I was not 
quote unquote prepared for that because yep. I kind of thought it was just going to thin out or it was going to slowly come out. Um, when she tells you she feels like garbage, that's the other thing. Like, I didn't think I would ever hear that word from my daughter. She feels like garbage. So the reality of it is they do a good job telling you, but I don't think anything is prepares you for what you see. I do not think anything would have prepared my husband and I for this. I don't think even if he did say she's going to be sick as a dog, I would have been like, oh, okay, I would expect that. You, you don't. I don't think the reality of it all is you, you take one medicine, you see how that is. You mm -hmm. know, like now we're starting a new medicine called Emend, and it's supposed to be a very good anti-nausea medicine. They gave it to us the last time. Unfortunately, Livy will tell you that that stuff didn't work on me. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, give us some time. Let's figure this out. So um, it, once again, they tell you one thing, but every kid is different. And that's the thing. And I, my doctor that we work with down at Children's, he did say, I, Olivia presents a little differently. So she obviously is a little bit more sensitive mm -hmm. to drugs than what some of the other cases that he has dealt with. So that's been a learning experience. You can understand what everybody gives you. Right. But until your own child does it and that happens, I, I can't answer any question other than, okay, I'm going to try it and see how she reacts and go from there. Has there been any pain involved in any of this that she's um, experiencing? She has, like, the most outward pain that she talks about is stomach pain, but I think it's very general. Um, I think, unfortunately, she does have some stomach issues because of how hard the chemo drugs are. Mm -hmm. The only other pain she talks about is... Well, one, she tells us that her arm doesn't feel right. She has she presented with left-sided weakness. So her arm and her hand does have a tremor, and she does have a walking gait right now. So she has um, an AFO, a brace that we use on her left side, and she sometimes will say it doesn't feel right. And basically what I'm explained as the tumors pressing on the connections. So therefore it's not firing correctly. So she can't use it. The only other thing that she ever really complains about pain, it's, it's discomfort cause she does have a Mediport put in, um, you know, when they, but I think that's more anxiety for her cause who wants to get poked? No one yeah. does. So, you know, the only other thing is Olivia was like the neurosurgeon that we had, Dr. Green was phenomenal. And, put a Amaya reservoir in the crown of her head. Um, unfortunately, Livy presents her tumor um, is kind of oddly shaped, they said. And then it in the beginning, it had three cysts attached to it. And the cyst, when they fill up with fluid, create more pressure in the brain, swelling in the brain. So Olivia has had to endure draining those cysts. So basically, it's almost, it runs like a shunt. That's what I'm explained. Um, where they tap it and they drain, 
you know, recently we had, I think, 14 cc's come out of it. So it depends on how quickly the cysts fill back up and how often we have to go through that. From what I understand, when the cancer cells are reproducing, the cysts seem to fill up faster. Mm -hmm. So the ultimate goal of all this chemotherapy that we're experiencing is to make the cancer cells dormant and to try to shrink the tumor and the cyst itself. So then, Is there a process that they told you that that's called? I, I do not know if there's an official name. Yeah. I just know that... Um, the protocol is the two chemo drugs um, twice a month for the next year. Okay. So, and then, you know, we obviously have scans. Right. Um, depending on what the scans say is how, if they change something or do something. I, they always tell me they have stuff in their back pocket. So, okay. I, I don't know if we're going to experience that. So. Right. so, that's another thing. So, you, there's lots going on, obviously, but another aspect of what a patient goes through that that clinicians and pharmacists might overlook is the stress of understanding the suggestive clinical trial stuff. Oh. And if someone said to me, we have a clinical trial and I'm looking at Rachel, my 11 year old who's suffering anyway. And I'm thinking, well, we have no evidence-based understanding of what this is really going to do. Like describe that to the listeners too. Um, we were given an opportunity for a clinical trial. It was not a good fit for our family. Um, so we chose not to do it. We chose to do the traditional chemo. Um, it was very daunting. And I will tell you that I spent hours upon hours researching, crying, weighing, praying, trying to figure out if it was an avenue good for us or not. And... I, you know, they don't give any type of placebos to children. That's first and foremost, it is very important to say, but it was something that we did sit down with our 10 year old and we said, this is an option. Would you want to talk about it? And right off the bat, she said, no, I, I'm not ready for that. And I said, okay. And I said, this is the option we need to go to now. You're going to have to get a, a Mediport put in. We're going to have to go twice a month, probably more, to kind of deal with that. And she said, fine. And I'll never forget one of, after I think the second chemo, we're sitting in a room. She's sick, puking in a bucket. And I'll never forget, she said, I'm okay we didn't do the clinical trial, Mom. I'm fine with that. And I said, okay. And part of the clinical trial was a constant pill taking. And unfortunately at 10, my daughter does not swallow pills. Mm -hmm. And they did say, we can train her, we can help her. When she sat there and said, I'm glad we didn't do it. I, I was fine with it. I knew we made the best decision for our family. It was one of those, I hope and pray that they do have more research because it would be so much easier if they did have more than one, you know, if it was more than just a traditional chemo way, because apparently in the brain tumor, brain tumor society here, there's not enough research. Mm -hmm. And I feel bad that we couldn't take part in that, but it just, like I said, wasn't a good fit for us. So 
And I think people in general do push for clinical trials because the more information and research they get, the better off we get in the end. But it's one of those, It's a to me, it's a catch-22. I just don't think my husband and I were prepared to go that avenue. Yeah. That's all. No, that's was, understandable. Know. Yeah. So tell me about, she's, Livy's taking liquids. Yeah, she's, um, she's taking liquid medicines, but we've kind of transferred some of them to the pill form where we crush. Okay. And just, she was on like an antibiotic liquid. She has to take um, quite often, three times a week. What's the um, taste like that she said? Oh, it's horrific. Horrific. That she would gag every time we took it. Okay. To the point where I finally said to the doctor, if we get with the pill, and, you know, the pill is a very fat, like we all know what antibiotic pills look like. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, can we crush it? And they were like, let us check with the pharmacy. I said, okay, fine. They came back and said, absolutely. So, you know, out of, I think, six medicines were on variously for different issues we crush probably five of them now she can and you're still on one one liquid um no we're off, off liquid, liquid okay. at that so the chemotherapy um twice a month goes in her port so you know that comes in a chemo hospital bag it's very interesting how they kind of set that all up that's another surreal thing to watch mm-hmm. watching that happen the first time was very gut-wrenching i mean i my daughter doesn't know this. I told her I had to go to the bathroom, but I left and cried for like 45 minutes straight, mm. just realizing. All the medicine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, you know. Did they offer you any flavoring for the medication? Because um, there's a group called Flavor RX that we've worked with. We have tried that before with other things, especially because we, we do have a son who's two and a half. Um, they never offered anything, but it was more or less like... They would tell us it was already, like, kind of flavored. Mm. But then when she got it, it was, like, horrific. <laughs> it, you know, like, the Bactrim, which she's on for antibiotic, she, it was so thick and so, like, it came in pink color. I mean, we were like, let's do 5 mLs at a time so many times a day. Let's do 10 mLs so many times, you know, just to try to get anything in her. And it just, I mean, the thickness and the taste of it. She said the taste wasn't horrific, but it was more the thickness and trying to get it down, mm-hmm. and, you know, trying to keep it down, especially when you're not feeling well is right. a whole different avenue. Exactly. So, so what's, from your perspective, Shannon, what's missing in healthcare right now? For, for someone that's going through this, when you look at this, you step away, take yourself out of your of your body and your life and you're looking at it almost like you're observing it what's missing in healthcare that could make this better for for you and your family i don't i don't todd i don't know if i can answer that right this second only because i do feel that the insurance companies kind of roll what we do mm-hmm. and that's frustrating um we've been blessed so far that's with good. them accepting everything but it's frustrating to me that I'll get a slip in the mail that says not approved for an MRI or not approved for a CT scan or um, insurance would only like I did experience one thing um, when she was getting the EMEND um, nausea medicine, they would only cover so much. Mm-hmm. Um, the primary insurance um, covered 
so much of it. We tried to run it through our secondary insurance and they absolutely denied it. Now, is it because it's so new in regards to the, what protocol we're on? Probably, but it's almost like, I don't know. Do you have a 10 year old that needs this? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and what's frustrating to me. And I, I remember very early taking my denial letters into the doctor and I said, I have denial letters. And he looked at me and he said, you can put them away. He said, at children's, we do what we have to do and we fight later. And I was like, okay. And that was really the only time I ever felt frustrated with the insurance company just because I felt like, you know, they're not in my shoes. They don't mm -hmm. walk in my shoes every day. So if my daughter is showing more symptoms of left side of weakness, um, headaches every day, vomiting every day, I, I want to know why. So yep. I'm going to get a scan regardless of what you tell me. But, you know, in regards to the hospital aspect of everything sometimes I feel like there's a communication breakdown and I, I I get this is crazy COVID's crazy but I think it's more or less um I mean I personally feel like I'm loved by my doctors and nurses Olivia's loved I can call I mean I do call probably four times a week mm -hmm. because I have questions something comes up there are times, though, that I feel like the left hand does not speak to the right hand mm -hmm. at all. And I go, but I just told you such and such. And they're like, oh, okay, well, hold on a second. Let me go talk to somebody. And it's like, I, I, I get frustrated. And the number one thing that I have said after I spoke with another mom of, of a, a support group that I'm in now, unfortunately... Sometimes you have to be a very aggressive advocate for your child and they might think we're crazy, but we're not crazy. We see it every day where they only see her one time a week and say, oh, squeeze my hand, press on my hand. And sometimes that's frustrating because it's like I I'm watching her every day. You you're seeing her for 20 minutes mm -hmm. and I think it's frustrating to me. But that's when I have to speak up. But I'm, I, I have a very outgoing personality. I have no problem saying, what about this? What about that? This is what she's telling me. This is what, you know what I mean? So yeah. to me, I have felt pretty good with in our generalized health care. I just, like I said, my biggest complaint is sometimes I feel like people don't communicate. Yep. So. No, I understand that. Yeah. So the Pharmacy Podcast Nation, have, you know, mostly pharmacists out there listening. However, we do have some physicians that listen too. So shout out to collaborative care between pharmacists and physicians. Well, but I, 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 that's what I wonder is from how important that is to the patient. Because I look at it. I will say that I know personally that Rite Aid had to call my doctor. Okay. And the pharmacist did speak directly to my doctor to Olivia's doctor, Dr. Jim Falker. And he, he was great. I mean, awesome. he, he explained to her like, this is the new norm. This is the new protocol we are following. We're going to push it through. And he did. And like I said, it, was it a little bit of a cost for us, for me and my husband? Absolutely. But I, I don't care. Yep. I'll do what I have to do. And, you know, with the support of the family and friends, it, 
it's feasible. So I can do what I have to do. But I mean, I personally, when she told me, oh, I spoke to Dr. Jim himself, I'm like, oh, okay, great. Like she, you know, they get it. Yep. So, you know, that was one nice positive outcome. Now, you know, Todd, I'm going to have to be dealing with this for life for Olivia. So, you know, I'm sure we could follow up in five years and I might have more stories. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you no, know, I know what you mean. Like this is that's good to hear that they're, they're yeah. working together. Like they definitely. Yeah. And which is appreciative on my end. Yep. So. And that's the perception. So that's the question that I was wanting to ask of you. I didn't know how to put it was, do you feel that your physician and your pharmacist are collaborating and what you're saying is yes, you actually feel like they're. Yes, I do. Yep. I do. That's I great. feel like I feel ultimately, I feel like since we live in a small town, my pharmacist is very much like I'm going to advocate for her That's because awesome. I personally know her. Right. And then, like I said, I, Olivia, my husband and I love our daughter's doctors. They're very loving I mean, they were take, if it takes me two hours to talk to them, they would take the two hours. That's, That's just how they are. And I'm, I'm blessed in that way. That's I really great. am. So, so I want to announce to the nation, to the pharmacy podcast nation, that we are going to be raising money for Livy and for Shannon and her husband and family. There's going to be a link in our show notes that will take you to a GoFundMe page, and we ask you to support that. If you want to support us, or if you want to support directly, you're more than welcome to look to reach out to the Pharmacy uh, Podcast through publisher at pharmacypodcast.com. All the money that we raise, 100% of that money is going to go back to uh, Shannon and her family uh, for the care for Libby. So I want to make a statement to this nation to... Uh, step up and show support. This is my local community as well, so this will be a, a big support to me because we want to be um, proud of of the of the pharmacy podcast. But more importantly, we, I want to support um, Shannon and you and Livy as as much as we can. Thank you very much. Yeah. I'm looking forward to talking more and getting into it more. Yes, and there's been uh, a hint because my listeners know that uh, my. Uh, daughter Rachel loves to interview, so if we set up a Zoom meeting, we might we might do an interview between uh, between Livy and Rachel and, and hear from an 11 and 10 year old. <laughs> yes, on how life really is. That's right. <laughs> That's incredible. Well, I want to thank you for your time, Shannon. Um, the Pharmacy Podcast Nation is is with you, and we thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Pharmacy Podcast Nation, I do not ask very much of my listeners. I want to ask that you support. Hashtag Team Libby for my hometown, Brownsville, Pennsylvania. Support this family with a, a small donation. I would be so proud of our pharmacy industry, our pharmacy community, and the hashtag US Farmy. That's US Farmy that we gather together and donate to this family through the GoFundMe that is in the show notes. I stand for you. I fight for you. Pharmacists are the hub of healthcare. And I thank you to the entire industry. We always thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network.